Welcome to Win the Day with Wasson, presented by MarketScale in partnership with WTD Consulting. Let's deep dive into the principles and perspectives that have shaped the winning mindsets with our guests focused on driving people performance. Confident our guests can help you unlock the coveted it factor that we believe is a learnable trait enabling the separation for success in a world of human commoditization. It's my pleasure to welcome into our studios the one, the only, the man that helped put AstraZeneca on the map, the living legend himself, a masterful sales leader, Larry Friedman, welcome to Win the Day with Wasson. Well, thank you, Chase. After that introduction, I was kind of looking around for who you were going to introduce, but uh, very kind very kind words. I appreciate it. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, Larry, it's a pleasure for us to have you. Your, your level of leadership and, and success in the corporate environment is something that I know our viewers will will be tuned into. Just for our viewers, Larry, you know, a big part of our audience is, is, is healthcare, you know, industry partners, folks that have obviously tried to, to model their career after something that you've built. But for our audience that doesn't know who you are, give us the perspective and journey um, that led to such an illustrious career at AstraZeneca where you were, you know, in a variety of roles over 31 years. Walk us through what that journey looked like and ultimately kind of the, the different mindset that, that helped you continue to grow and elevate your career throughout that process. Well, thanks, Chase. I'd be happy to. Um, and as you mentioned, it was 31 years at AstraZeneca. I started there as a sales representative and then grew into leadership roles of increasing responsibility. So I went from a sales rep in four years to a district manager for four years. Then I'd led leaders for about 15, 16 years before going into the home office, which ultimately over a six year period culminated with being the head of sales of the cardiovascular division. I know that's, um, I believe that was a role when, when we actually met when I came out to visit with you and customers in, in Dallas. Um, so it was a great career, great organization with wonderful people. If I had to put kind of one thing on what ultimately helped me to grow the career, I would say first, of course, is, is performance. I think whatever role you're in, you have to perform in that current role. But I think, as I think about it, the other thing that was most important was relationships. Relationships that I had with people that were on my team that may have reported to me. Relationships that I had with peers and also relationships with those that were senior in the organization. Um, and, and those were sincere, genuine, authentic relationships. And I think through all of those different touch points, you start to grow a, a reputation um, for excellence. And that's ultimately you know, what the teams were able to achieve in the time that I was with AstraZeneca. Well, and I was fortunate enough to see that firsthand, Larry, and uh, your, your living proof and the testimony is obviously there. But, you know, let, let's take it back. And, and when you and I met, we talk about through this Win the Day with Wasson podcast, all of our guests, Larry, have been able to unlock this, this so-called it factor. I think you've touched on just high level, you know, the journey, the process, the brand that you were able to, to create as a leader at AstraZeneca. But I also feel like you yourself ultimately have that it factor. And through your kind of commitment to the teams that you led, the thing that I, I always watched and admired about your leadership style is you brought out 
those quote unquote it factors amongst your leaders that ultimately transcended to the, the teams that they led. So for our audience, especially those that have built a career as healthcare industry partners, what were some of the, the, the things that, that you really landed on as a leader with your managers, with your personnel that, that you feel brought out that greatness that you've talked about that you know, I guess is the reason all those trophies are there behind you? Yeah, they were there. I didn't just put them for the podcast for those that might, you know, have thought I did some housekeeping. But, um, you know, Chase, I, at the risk of oversimplifying it, um, because I think many things are simple. You know, they, they say that common sense can sometimes be the least common of the senses. And, and I would say showing a genuine care and concern for other people and having them feel that. Um, and, and that transcends just, you know, your professional life. That transcends ultimately who you are as a, as a person, who you are as a friend, who you are as a neighbor, who you are even within, within your, your family. So when I reflect on that, I hope that that's what people felt from me because I was very sincere in my approach to them. And, and I feel that they did. I feel that that really helped solidify the legacy that I grew at AstraZeneca. Well, I can tell you, you definitely left a legacy. Anyone that's ever come across or, or been in the room with, with, with yourself and the way you present and command, I think that's one thing that's ultimately led to your success, but ultimately separated yourself from those that were also in, in the position you were, because you have the ability, Larry, to truly captivate an audience take big picture thinking and simplify the message, which you've kind of touched on has ultimately put you in a position to be such a successful leader. One thing I'd like to dive a little bit deeper on, and I know it's something that you've you know, probably had much more experience than, than obviously myself, but even some of our guests that are tuned, up, tuned in, you've had the opportunity to sit in front of leaders, you know, and you mentioned AstraZeneca, you know, individuals that are making broad scale impact um, in healthcare. What is it that you saw from some of these high level leaders that made yourself think, you know, that's what makes them tick? Is there anything you can share um, from per per perspective or learning for our audience in, the, in, in, in regards to that? Well, you know, the, the one thing that was consistent, and this was certainly emphasized with my former organization, is patient centricity, excuse me, say that 10 times fast, but being patient centric was really a point of emphasis in the organization. And I saw that really from the top down, actually looking through the lens of a patient that may be impacted by a particular disease state that we were focused on. Um, as I mentioned earlier, in cardiovascular, the, the mantra was, the mission was, the vision was, uh, we fight for every heartbeat. And really putting yourselves in the place of that patient that's in the cath lab, that's having that stent, or that family that got that phone call that's, that's terrified. But when you really look through the lens of the patient and you look at the patient as your North Star, that really helps guide every decision that you make. So I would, I would say patient uh, centricity was really a, a key and common factor among the leaders that I met. 
Well, and, and the one P that, uh, that I heard you speak loud and clear aside from patience was passion. And I think that's something that you yourself have utilized and it, it's transcended amongst the teams that, that ultimately have reported up through you. But I think for any of our audience that hears you speak and knows you on a personal level, it's the passion that comes with the brand that Larry Friedman has built. Walk us through where that passion came from, Larry. God, I guess it's been something that I've had with me my my entire life. You know, the passion sort of also crosses into a competitive aspect of it. So, you know, I heard a great expression, one person with passion is better than a thousand just merely interested. So I've found myself that when I really connect on a topic that interests me strongly, that I can bring some value and some good to, I wanna share that with others. Um, It's very compelling to me, and I wanna bring others along in the journey, just through my passion, through my conviction, through my enthusiasm, because I sincerely believe whatever it is that I'm sharing would bring value to them as well. Well, it, it's, it's a resounding theme. The other thing that I heard you say, and it's been a constant topic with guests that have been on with Win the Day with Wasson, mindset, and more importantly, competitive mindset. I, I know for our guests that uh, may not know you as close as I do, there's, there's a passion for football. I, I don't want to get into uh, the Ohio State Buckeyes. I know that there's a lot of championships there, but I know you've got a lot of passion as well for, for the Patriots. But Larry, are there things that you've learned from that competitive mindset and, and back to kind of that football culture as a former athlete yourself that it helped you, you know, lead teams or, or life lessons you took through the game of sports yourself that you currently use uh, even in today as, as you're working? Well, you know, the one thing that I, that I have learned is that you have to channel having a competitive nature, especially in a corporate environment. Um, I learned the hard way, you know, over time that, you know, football analogies or sports analogies may not resonate with with an entire audience. So someone came up to me and gave me that feedback year, years ago. So I, I got it loud and clear. And also being competitive could possibly turn people off as as well. So I think it's it's innate, but it's also something that really has to be channeled appropriately. Because if your brand is that you're competitive, but you're out for yourself, you're not thinking of the greater good of the team, the greater good of the division, or the greater good of the organization, that, that is a, a gap and a barrier to career growth, and it will stunt you immediately. So for those that do have that uber competitive spirit, I think you have to know there's a time and the place for it and to channel it properly in corporate America. Larry, those are tremendous points. Uh, I've had to actually, you know, check myself over the years, realizing that, you know, it's not fourth and one, no one's putting on the pads. But I do think that mindset, that kind of chip on your shoulder as far as wanting to win, wanting to perform, thinking about that patient that you talked about is really you know, what created the separation for yourself and the teams that you continue to lead. So really appreciate you sharing that. One topic I'd like to dive into, and you touched on it just a little bit, 
You had success for many years, Larry, um, in a large corporate environment where you had to work through many different personalities. You had to navigate not only external performance, but internal performance as far as you know, developing your brand. Any advice for the audience that is with large-scale companies on, on how to better position themselves or work through you know, particular challenges that you might have gone through as a leader? I think there's two things. One, one I mentioned all, already, and it just has to happen. You have to perform at your current role. You, you can't think that not performing or you would do better in a different role. You're just in the wrong role. You have to perform in your current role. But I think the, the other piece really comes down to having a mentor. I think somebody that is senior to you in the organization where, again, you've developed a, a genuine, meaningful, two-way dialogue with that person, not all of a sudden you call someone that you want to be there, you want them to be your mentor because the job got posted. That would be disingenuous. Um, and I've actually had that happen to, to me over, over the years. But I think those that it's a reciprocated um, value, exchange of value back and forth. And, and when I've mentored people that have been looking to grow their career, I could sense it right away when it was really true and, and genuine and when perhaps, you know, somebody was, was looking to get the answers to the interview. Well, I think the constant theme our audience will continue to hear from you is authenticity, trust, and really just being a direct communicator. That's one thing I always respected about not only the way you carried yourself, but I know the legacy you left as probably to this day, um, you know, and I'm not sure if they can keep these type of accolades, Larry, but six or seven time COE winner at AstraZeneca. I, I don't want to um, belittle you in any, in any form, but for those that aren't aware, that is a tremendous honor and something that is held in the highest regard. And I think those principles Larry just touched on, the biggest thing that landed with me was authentic leader and trust. So you know, thank you for sharing that. Um, yeah, I don't know if you have any comment. Did, did I shortchange you no, at no, all on the, uh, on the total win? No, you, you, you got it. Um, but there's a couple of things that I do want to say about that. First of all, all those accolades came as a leader. And that means that someone else did all the selling. I didn't sell a single prescription of that medication. That came from the valued sales professionals and, and managers and leaders that are out in the field. That, that's the first thing. But I think the, the other thing, and I've talked a lot about you know, relationships, and that always doesn't mean that it's you know, mom, apple pie, and, and, and baseball. Because relationships also help you form a foundation for trust. And I think with that trust, you can be more candid and perhaps more direct when you need to be. So there's another expression, I'm sure I picked these up along the way, but you know, constructive or candid feedback without a relationship lands as criticism. And I'm sure you know throughout your career and also just through you know, athletics, it was those coaches or those, those leaders or those managers or directors, they could speak to you in a certain way because you respected them and you trusted them and you knew what their intention 
was. And, and when you know someone's intention, they can say or do almost anything that, you know, with, that's appropriate because it's looking out for your own good. You're exactly right. I, I don't think it could be said any better. Um, and, and from a personal standpoint, I'm right there with you. Direct feedback, especially for those that you know have been in the pocket, that have endured the race, that have seen things that obviously yourself have and many other leaders. When you speak, it's, it's taken as you know, great feedback and a learning opportunity. I know from a, a football landscape, uh, coaches used to say, the eye in the sky never lies. And for our audience, what does that mean? When you're on the field, you can think, you can you know, say, but at the end of the day, what you put on tape is reality. And sometimes as coaches or as leaders, you've got to be willing to, to give that constructive feedback that ultimately as a you know, consummate sales professional, you're looking for to make yourself better and in our profession, impact more patients in a positive manner. So thank you for sharing that, Larry. That's, that's, that's very well said. One thing I wanted to touch on, and I don't think there's anyone that probably has much more experience with, with some blockbuster type drugs in the cardiovascular arena as yourself, but for, for enterprises that are out there looking to build billion dollar blockbuster brands, and you were part of many of them at AstraZeneca, walk our audience through what does the planning look like? What does the strategy look like to take a molecule such as a, a Crestor, a Brillenta, a Farsiga from, you know, what if to in, in providers' hands to ultimately impact patients? Walk us through that strategy, Larry, and, and how you played a role in, in bringing those medicines into, into ultimately patients' hands. Yeah, thank you, Chase. You know, whenever... I launched a product or whenever I took over the leadership of a team, there was a, a formula that would, I would often follow. Um, and it really was P-C-E, right? So the, the P stood for people. And I think regardless of whether you're trying to grow a product to, to 10 billion, a billion, whatever the case may be, and whatever the scope and scale of the product is, you have to ensure that you have the right people. You have to ensure that you have the right people in the right positions. You have to ensure that the right people want to stay in your organization. They're challenged, they're growing, um, they're motivated, they're inspired, they become peer leaders, right? Conversely, if you don't have the right people, then difficult decisions need to be made. Unfortunately, it's just a fact of the business. And, and maybe some of those folks will find success in other roles or in other organizations. And then when you, around people, you have to consider that the middle, because the middle is always the largest population. So do you have a people strategy to develop that middle, to take them from good to great, said Jim Collins, right? So it's all, it begins all about the the, the people, the right people, developing the people, retaining the people, and, and frankly, when necessary, um, you know, having to change the people. And then the, the C really is about culture, right? I mentioned earlier, and it just comes right off the top of my tongue even years later, we fight for every heartbeat. Do you have 500 people or 300 people or 100 people, whatever the, again, scope and scale of the, of the organization is, 
that are looking through that lens that want to do good things on behalf of the patient and the patient's family. Uh, there's a common mission, there's a common purpose, there's a common value, and they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Um, I just recently read, you know, as it relates to culture, culture is how people feel about their jobs on Sunday night and Monday morning. So when you have those people that are fully engaged, that are, for lack of a better word, fired up to get out there and make a difference on behalf of patients, well, you've got a darn good culture. And then the E stands for execution. And I don't mean just counting calls, although there's a component of making certain that the calls are placed uh, on the right doctors with an appropriate frequency in order to, to drive the business. But execution transcends more than just making calls on the right you know, HCPs or whatever business that you're in. Execution can be, are you putting your resources in the right places? Are you getting an ROI? How, how are you measuring that resource allocation? Um, how is the message landing? As a sales representative or sales professional, do you know the strategy? Are you able to articulate that strategy to the customer in a way that it resonates so they prescribe your product for the appropriate patient? So that's a, a summary of something that I think your, your listeners can take. PCE, I actually just wrote an article on, on that topic on LinkedIn, and it's something that has consistently worked, whether it's, again, a new team, a new indication launch, a new product launch, evaluate those components, and you'll be successful. P-C-E, people, culture, execution. I'll add a W, Larry win the day because i think those are three component components that are recipes for success but in my mind that final component always goes back to the mentality to think differently to execute on whatever strategy or or or, or you know launch etc that your organization is part of so thank you for sharing that tremendously insightful proof is in the pudding with the amount of blockbuster drugs you yourself have, have been a part of and, and know that that formula for success is the reason for a lot of that success. So as we transition, we've talked a lot about kind of the, the organizational strategy and leadership skills that you've been able to put on teams that you've worked with. I know you've also, Larry, been a nationally regarded speaker in the international markets. You've, you've talked on a variety of topics for our audience. What are some of those topics you've talked on? How has it been received in different markets? And what are a few pearls based off those, those talks you've, you've given that have really landed well that you think our audience will appreciate? Yeah, Chase, I think really what you're referring to is about six years back, I was fortunate that through my former organization, I was able to share persuasion and influence skills across the globe. Um, it was it was something that I never saw coming. And I, I went to one meeting that I was invited to globally and I presented, it's really Robert Cialdini. He's a famed social psychologist. Um, and it's, it's his influence strategies that I was able to present. And, and really the interest in that was, it astounded me to, to be perfectly honest with you, but it made perfect sense because those influence strategies are very easy to learn. 
They're very easy to teach. And there are also things that not only will they impact you uh, at work in terms of being able to properly influence people, but they'll also impact your, your personal life or interactions that you have. So there's a lot of books that have been written. There's a lot of um, articles that have been written, video, uh, YouTube videos, et cetera. And I really encourage your, your audience to get a chance to get to know the work of Robert Cialdini. Um, and that's actually some of the work that I'm, I'm currently doing now is, as well. I'm just fascinated by the topic of influence. Let's get into that a little bit, Larry, because obviously you've, you've, you've walked the corporate world, right? You've been at the top of the mountain. You've, you've seen what it's like to, to be there, to lead, to impact, to ultimately you know, impact patients all over the country, even in an international setting. But for our viewers, you know, now you're at a senior director role with Red Nucleus. For those that aren't aware, give us some perspective, Larry, to Red Nucleus and, and how some of your learnings as a leader at a corporate giant such as AstraZeneca is helping you build that brand right now. Well, thanks, Chase. Yeah, I've just celebrated week one at Red Nucleus. And for those in your audience that don't know about Red Nucleus, Red Nucleus really is a, a premier provider of learning, performance, and process solutions for the life science industry. Um, not 100% life science, but clearly focused on life science. I'm in a group called Essential Skills. So what I'm able to do is I'm in this role, I'm able to take my, my passion for learning, my passion for coaching, my passion for teaching, and I'm able to share it with a number of organizations across, again, pharmaceuticals, biotech, medical device, whatever the, you know, the case may be within that life science space. So my passion for learning now has you know, left one organization and I'm able to bring it to many others. So I will actually uh, share the content and then I'm able to deliver the content uh, in, my, in my new role, which I'm excited about. Well, I can only imagine their excitement bringing a, an individual of your caliber, pedigree, and, and most important, you know, professional acumen to, uh, to Red Nucleus. So congrats on that, Larry. One thing you touched on in that comment is constant learning. A large part of our audience, Larry, is folks looking to either morph from one career into potentially the healthcare sector or various other sales arenas out there. When we talk about constant learning, what's some interview tips or advice you would give to, to a younger audience coming out of college that really has never sat in a room with an individual like yourself? What are things that an executive looks for that, that truly makes a candidate stand out? Yeah, thanks for asking that question. And I, uh, I recently have mentored a few um, college graduates actually looking to break into into life science. And there's some first and perhaps obvious must-haves, you know, I mean, you, and you'd be surprised, you know, they get out of school and uh, these are things that are, are givens, but make sure that the resume looks the way it should, that it's very tailored towards a specific role, similarly with the, the LinkedIn profile. But in terms, of the, in terms of the interview, I think there are a few things that are really going to differentiate um, an applicant, especially an applicant that doesn't have any accolades or even any experience in the, in the business. I think the very first one is, is grit. 
you know, and we've, we've talked about grit, but does someone have that drive and have they demonstrated that drive, whether, even if it was summer roles, even if it was a role they did while they were in school, but how do they go about demonstrating that they have that intangible, that, that, that grit that will differentiate them. The other piece, again, perhaps this is obvious points, but is preparation. How prepared is that ind individual? I mean, there's a probably about a half a dozen questions that are standard phone interview questions. Do you know them? Have you researched the company? Have you researched the person that you're actually going to be interviewing with? What insights that you can share so that you actually can talk or sound like somewhat of an insider? Um, because now there's a lot of information available on the web. And chances are you can find someone who knows someone. Networking is a, is a huge, huge component. You know, maybe if I were hiring, maybe someone that's applying doesn't know me. But if they went on my LinkedIn profile, they may find someone in their network that does know me, who would then facilitate a warm introduction. And I can tell you, when those introductions come through your professional network, like say, for example, you, you sent me someone that was looking for advice, that's a call I take. That's a call that I absolutely will prioritize. And I can tell you, as someone that's done some recent networking on my own, you're forever grateful for those that take that call. You just want to reciprocate as much as you possibly can. So I hope that answered that question relating to, you know, young professionals and their journey of, of breaking in. And the only other thing that I'll say relating to that is, let's say they're not able to break into life science, which is a competitive field to, to break into. Well, then what other transferable skill can they glean? How can they demonstrate that they have the grit, the acumen? And, and for me, I actually, when I tried to break in in the early, whenever, <laughs> 90s, I didn't have a, a science background. So I went out and got a job selling pagers and communication equipment to medical professionals only. And it was skills that have stuck with me to this day. So you've said something that is another resounding theme from all of our guests on Win the Day with Wasson. The word grit. You know, Larry, you can't spell grit without what? I-T, it, the it factor. And you've touched on a variety of points, all of which are the blueprint to unlock that it factor that ultimately does create the separation for success in a world of human commoditization. But I heard a lot of things also just from a, you know, a growing member in the, in the industry um, that, that's interviewed a lot of folks, sat through a lot of different interviews. But you touched on the value now of leveraging social networks. I think it's something that a lot of our younger audience that's part of our community really needs to take a hard look in the mirror and understand that anything you're putting out there via Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, all tremendous platforms to build a brand, but also can very much put yourself in a harmful situation. Do you have any examples or advice 
for, for young student students looking to build a brand in any industry on just some do's and don'ts uh, regarding social media presence? Yeah, Chase, well, I have three children of my own that uh, all went through the, the, the teenage years and, you know, early adolescence. And I tell them that exact point, you know, don't take a picture of yourself, you know, with drinks in your hand if you're underage. Don't take your pictures of yourself in inappropriate places maybe you shouldn't be or, or places that your employer wouldn't want you to be. You now represent an organization. So you may think, or your political views, or your, I don't want to get into these tangents, but uh, political views, religious views, I mean, there are things that are very personal to the individual that I totally respect. But now it could appear as if you're speaking on behalf of your organization or that your organization supports whatever beliefs you have because you're putting them out there. So it's really gotten to the point where I don't know that there's any such thing as a private social media page. It's out there. Someone can see it. That's right. And, and, and a big part of, you know, advice we've had from other guests and you've touched on it also, Larry, is personal branding can make or even break yourself in a corporate environment. And it can also leverage a lot of corporate success for the individual entity that, you know, he or she represents uh, as they continue to scale their own personal brand. So really appreciate that. You mentioned family, and I know that's something you're very passionate about. One thing I'd like to dive into, especially an individual like yourself that, that's you know sat in the, the highest level of executive sales leadership with, a, you know, as we keep touching on, a large top three most well-respected you know, biopharmaceutical organizations in the world. How did you balance family focus, corporate focus, and I know your three kids are, are, are having tremendous success of their own, but how did you bridge that, that work-life balance and create that win-the-day mentality with your own kids? Well, first of all, anyone that knows me, I've got to, I've got to give a lot of the props relating to the kids, uh, to my wife for sure. So definitely the better, better half, no, no question about that. You know, as far as my role, you know, often a buzzword is work-life balance, work-life balance. And I'm just going to challenge that. It's not that I don't support, of course I do, family and the importance of family. But I guess the way that I viewed it, you know, balance can be like a 50-50 some, sometimes. I like to look at it as family work flexibility. And that's something, again, that I've encouraged anyone on my team to, to fully leverage when appropriate. So what, is that, what does that mean? Well, the balance, like I said, it's 50-50. It's well, I'm working now, so I'm not family now, you know, that, that type of thing. It, that's, that's not the case. But there's going to be situations where you need to be all in at work, whatever it is. Maybe it's, a, it's there's three weeks left in the quarter. You've got to do everything you can. You've got to be immersive in what, you, in what you're doing. But then there are family events that are extremely important as well. I mean, I was able to coach, and it was a pretty big commitment, my son's Pop Warner team, football team, for like five years while working 60-plus hours a week because there was flexibility. There were times when I said, okay, this trip, 
I'm going to take this trip at the beginning of the week. So I still took the trip, but I was flexible that I was back, you know, say by Wednesday so that I was able to be there for the balance of the week. And of course the game on the, on the weekend. So I would say it's that, it's that flexibility, knowing when to say when. Um, and I think the, the other thing, and, and, and honestly, Chase, this was a learning and this was something that I acknowledged that I could have done a better job of. But if you have to travel, and, and many, many of us do have to travel, still do everything you can to make the time to connect. You know, the kids' worlds are texting. The kids' worlds are, are FaceTime and, and things like that. And as I reflected on my time at AstraZeneca, I think, frankly, I could have done a better job, and I think my now adult kids would probably agree, to, to reach out, to find that 10 minutes when you're sitting in the hotel room or you're in transition from one meeting to the dinner program. Um, so I would give that advice to others as well. No, I think it's great advice, even for myself, you know, two young boys. Uh, I, I think any, any great sales professional will tell you their, their most prized possession, and, and you touched on this, is their, their spouse at home. And, and obviously, I think you outkicked your coverage, so kudos to you. Um, I've done that myself, but I, I think, you know, I, <laughs> but I think the one thing that, that really resonates to me personally is, you know, for guys, girls, our entire audience that are wired, you know, full tilt, full time, kind of that win the day, let's make it happen. You've got to also prioritize when to put family first, but ultimately knowing that, you know, your paycheck, the 15th and the 30th depends on your performance, which you touched on. So there is that balance of flexibility, but I think the things you've, you've really hit on that have landed well with myself and I know our audience is prioritizing time. And whenever you are in that business mode, um, you know, you're wired to win the day. But the other thing I took from it, Larry, and I've, I've always admired this from you, is I think you, the great leaders I've been around yourself, you're the same person at work as you are off the clock, so to speak. And that's one thing that I think as a leader, that authenticity piece that you touched on is so important. Can you elaborate or, or, or deep dive into any of those principles that, that help shape that mentality for you? You know, I can't think of a specific time or place or really how that, that trait sort of um, spawned, if you, if you will. But I will say that in order to be an authentic leader, in order to be an authentic person. I think you have to be that same person wherever you are and whatever you're doing. And let me, let me tell you what I, what I mean by that. Um, my selling team at our former organization, they knew that I, I cared about them um, and they did a great job. But once I've, once I've left, if all of a sudden, that connection, that mentoring, that care, that concern went away, then what type of imposter or poser would I be, right? So I love hearing from people from, from the past because I cared and it's an opportunity with truly nothing to, nothing to gain to help someone that I care about. Um, and I think that comes back to, you know, what's the type of legacy that, that you have? 
Um, and I'm certain you've remembered again, coaches and, and leaders. I could reflect, God, on my first district sales manager, my first national sales director. I mean, these are people that made an impression and that was you know, several years ago. And I think you, you want to aspire to be that person in someone's life. Well, obviously leaders set the culture, they set the vision. And Larry, I know the impact you've had on the, on the people, which has been a resounding theme as, as you've kind of talked across your journey. You know, kind of as we're closing out and you're in this next chapter in your career, working with a multitude of industries, a multitude of different sales leaders and personnel, is there anything else you'd like to share from a perspective or even deep dive into? I know you've got a lot of passion for focus selling um, that you'd like to share with our audience. Yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a few things, Chase. And, and we talked about one of them earlier, and I, I couldn't pinpoint kind of how this happened, but the chip on the shoulder. And again, I, I can't point back to when I was 11 years old and, you know, someone stole my lunch and, you know, I, I don't, I don't remember any of that, but I do remember, and I do feel even to this day that I think in order to aspire to be more, to do more, maybe somewhere along the line, someone may have, may have doubted me. Someone may have put a limit on me. Someone may have said, well, You'd be good at this role, but you probably wouldn't be good at that role. And that puts a chip on my shoulder because I want to, for myself, yes, but also say, no, I think you're wrong. I can be successful. If I was successful at a district, I could be successful at a region. And if you're successful at a region, you could be successful at a nation. And I think others need to believe that certainly within them, within themselves. So, Larry, I want to deep dive a little bit more on you made the comment chip on your shoulder, which I love. And I think all great leaders really in, in any aspect of life, there's someone in, in, in their head that's that's their biggest competition. But I know now you're 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 acting in a consultative manner to many different organizations, leaders, personnel across the globe. When you're sitting down with these various companies, walk me through the mindset or, or just the message as to why partner with not only Red Nucleus, but why Larry Friedman is a value add to that organization. In the engagements that I've done with clients and will continue to do, I want to deliver excellence to that client. If I'm doing an essential skills workshop and just to name one, for example, uh, influencing with impact. We also have another on major account planning or reflective listening. I won't go through all of them, I promise. But I wanna deliver excellence in such a way that the audience, the participants are fully engaged. And it's not just an event. They went to a training on negotiation, to name another one. And they came away with tangible, actionable items that will make them more effective negotiators. And I'm truly immersed in their experience and I'm truly invested in the client and in the organization. And I really want to see them do really, really well. And I'm just loving that aspect of it. Um, and again, the teaching, the coaching, the mentoring, the listening. I mean, just being there right there with that group and then helping them to get better at their uh, at their skills, at their essential skills. 
Well, I can only imagine the ROI that comes with that, uh, both from the organization's perspective and, and also yourself. I, I know the, the passion that obviously you lead with, and I know that is going to be received very well from the clients. I think, Larry, can't thank you enough for the blueprint that you've really laid out to our Win the Day community. What I took away and what I really hope our audience really focuses in on, P-C-E, people, culture, and execution. One thing we like to end, Larry, with, with our audience, and it's not near as profound as P-C-E, we rise, we grind, we shine, we impact. Thank you for our community for tuning in. It's been a pleasure having Larry Friedman on with Win the Day with Wasson, and we look forward to the next episode. Larry, thank you, continued success, and know you will continue to win the day. Thank you for, thank you for having me. Um, really honored to be here. Uh, it's, it's a great experience working with you. I wish you continued success in your career and beyond with your family. And again, great to see you, and thank you. Thank <laughs> you.